to Life Conversations, where we explore what it means to live fully in marriage, in motherhood, and in meaningful work. Okay, welcome back to Life Conversations. Today we are, Marissa and I are meeting with Dr. Jordan Morton, who is a naturopath at BackFit Clinic. Um, we have known Jordan for many years. He started out as our tech here at BackFit uh, for about one and a half years and then went on to naturopathic school and then came back to BackFit as our naturopath. Love which it so is much. So amazing. Um, and we both personally, both our families have gone to Jordan. He's helped my children in many different ways um, and really, yeah, helped, helped me through lots of sick and uh, cold flus and all that. So we, yeah, we're so happy to have you here, Jordan. Yeah, thanks so much. Yes, Jordan is our go-to guy for our family as well. You're just a wealth of knowledge and honestly, one of the most skilled and passionate practitioners that I have ever had the pleasure of working with. Oh. So we adore you. Yes, we love so you. Nice. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Let's get a little bit more into your professional bio. So Dr. Sure. Jordan Morton found his way into naturopathic medicine after growing up with a love of both using his body in sports and a curiosity for how it worked. He graduated from the University of Victoria with a biology degree and minor in Hispanic studies. Upon graduation, he took some time off, completed his yoga teacher training, and worked under the doctors at BackFit. Jordan then returned to school to pursue his doctorate in naturopathic medicine at Boucher Institute. And while at Boucher, Dr. Morton was the founder of a yoga club to help stressed out students, participated in the student association, was student rep for the provincial association, and won the Dr. Nicole Robinson Memorial Scholarship as well as the Spirit of Boucher Award. Since beginning his career at BackFit, Dr. Morton has done extensive training for regenerative injections, including a year-long prolotherapy mentorship, as well as a year-long ultrasound mentorship with Dr. Frank Johnson, MD, and Sports Medicine Ultrasound Canada. Outside of his time in the clinic, he keeps busy with training for ultra marathons, cooking delicious vegan meals, playing hockey, hiking, and trying to squeeze in a round of golf now and then. <laughs> wow. You live a very full life, my friend. And just got yeah. a new puppy. And just got a new puppy, yeah. which is the most exciting thing, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, mm -hmm. uh, in other exciting news, as I just mentioned, I am getting used to your new accessory. Yes. He's wearing a wedding ring because he just got married. It's been a big year. <laughs> yeah. A very big yeah. year. So lots of fun stuff. Super yeah. exciting. Married, honeymoon, puppy, ultra marathons past weekend. Just kind of, yeah. Amazing. Busy. Just crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for making yeah. time for oh. us today because yeah, no, we know you, so you do have a very busy schedule. We yeah. got you to come in extra early before you see your patients <laughs> yeah. to sit down and chat with us. This is great. So yeah, let's dive in sure. for our listeners. Share a little bit more about you, your personal story, and how you ended up on this journey in naturopathic medicine. Yeah, uh, I think I hadn't read that bio in a while, but I think goes <laughs> through it pretty well. I think I'd always, um, I'd always wanted to go into medicine. I always thought, well, I was always curious about how the body works, and I was always so interested in. Um, all different types of science and I always loved school just in general. I think if I could just be a lifelong student, honestly, I would. So always wanted to know more and more and more. Um, 
with naturopathic medicine, uh, like I said, I was kind of geared towards going into conventional medicine and thought that's the route that I was going to go. But when I moved out to Victoria and I adopted a vegetarian and then vegan diet, I wanted to make sure that I was doing everything right. And so I actually went and saw a naturopathic doctor here in town, Dr. Mm -hmm. Pam Hutchison at Acacia. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know her. Mm -hmm. Wonderful person and really um, kind of set the bar for me for what I, how I wanted to practice as a, as a doctor because it, the initial appointment you get, we had I think a 90 minute um, intake and you really got to develop a relationship and really kind of, you know, build something from the ground up and I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is how you should work with people and this is how healthcare should be. So um, that really blew me away and so uh, after my initial appointment with her, went ahead and learned more and more about naturopathic medicine uh, and then also working at BackFit and learning about chiropractic and we had physiotherapists at the time mm -hmm. too. Uh, Jeff and I was really curious about that so for a while I was kind of torn thinking like, chiropractic, naturopathic, physiotherapy, still interested in going to MD school. But then when I learned more about naturopathic medicine, you get to do all the physical modalities, you get to learn chiropractic, uh, a lot of physiotherapy stuff, and then also nutrition and IV therapy and injections. And uh, in here in BC, we can prescribe pharmaceuticals and we have such a huge broad scope. It was like, wow, okay, naturopathic makes sense because I can literally do anything that I'm interested in and um, have such an amazing practice. So. That's really why I went that route. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Tracy and I have touched on this in a few episodes, but obviously health and wellness is just such an integral part of our lives. Mm -hmm. We really want to bring you back for regular segments mm -hmm. because there's so much to talk about in yes. this field. Um, but we really believe health and well-being obviously is the foundation of bringing our best to marriage, motherhood, and meaningful work. Mm -hmm. And when we were discussing, you know, where should we start with you? You're such a wealth of knowledge. Um, we felt like going into the fall season here, schedules and routines really start to ramp up a very common thing that we hear from others and that we experience in our own yes. lives is this kind of stress and overwhelm, that sense of um, life is really full and busy and navigating all of that. Um, so let's, yeah, we really want to dive into this topic mm -hmm. of, of stress mm -hmm. yeah. today and um, how you see that show up in your patients, in your practice. Um, and can you talk about some of the things that bring people to you when it comes to stress and what are the sources of stress you see in people's lives? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that last night just when I was kind of going through some of these questions. and. Like the last two years have been extraordinary mm -hmm. in all sorts of ways um, and sources of stress that maybe, well, we haven't dealt with a global pandemic for a hundred and some years since Spanish flu like this. So like th this is a crazy new source of stress and, um, you know, the first few years of practice were, were great and there was normal sources of stress, um, but then, yeah, this really has ramped it up. And so I am seeing people who are dealing with chronic stress in the last two years and whether that is their own health or financial stuff or um, loved ones or issues with people themselves or people they know and the vaccination problems there's a lot of like personal issues coming up from this so mm -hmm. i've seen all sorts of different types of stress mm -hmm. because of the last two years so kind of you know extraordinary times for sure yes um, and i'm sure you guys have probably had yeah conversations oh, yeah. friends family everything that has been absolutely dealing yeah. with this too so that has been kind of a yeah, uh, out of the ordinary situation that we're going through, and that's one I, I think is going to continue for a while with kind of like 
post-COVID um, chronic illnesses and stuff like that. So like, there's going to be stress from this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you sprinkle a little like climate change and global recession about to happen. So mm-hmm. stress is a big, crazy one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that stuff, though, which is huge, I think, like you're saying, about the fall, yeah, it gets really busy, even at, like within our household right now. Um, like I said, we just got a puppy, but getting back into fall routines, hockey season coming up for me, hockey season coming up for you and you and mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. school coming up. So I think time crunches is a very big one. People trying to figure out how to maximize their time, how to get the most out of their time, how to feed their families with the limited amount of time that they have. Uh, that is one that has come up. Not sleeping very well. That comes up weekly with mm-hmm. like, multiple times with people because, you know, you get stressed and then the mind starts racing and you start thinking about all these things you have to do. And then me personally, I wake up at like three or four in the morning thinking about a list that I have to accomplish oh, yeah. the next day. And, um, I can relate. That's, yeah. that's a big one. So sleep is a super common uh, issue. Colds and flus. I mean, as soon as our stress kicks up and our immune system kind of gears down, um, and also with kids, yeah. which I have not experienced yet, but they're little germ factories and <laughs> all sorts of wonderful things. So then people are sick as well. And then that is a stressful situation unto itself. So um, I think those are some of the biggest ones that I've kind of thought about. Oh, I, like, yeah, different ages, different demographics, right? I think also with some of the younger patients that I have, teenagers going yeah. through just school and bullying and... Yeah. Like, I'm holding the cell phone in my hand right now, but thinking about that and like in the social media age and what people have to go through and how stressful these little devices, they're wonderful and they make our lives so easy, but they make our lives terrible at the same time. (laughs) Isn't that true? That's another one that I've um, counseled and talked to people about and it's like, it's a work in process for me as well Mm -hmm. because I totally understand and like recognize the attachment that I have to my device and mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on that mm-hmm. and so it's something that I chat with other people about too so well and how as a little person do you explain right to them how oh, yeah. how that's really affecting their bodies totally. and like we can connect it yeah. somewhat as adults yeah. but as little little people they can't really connect oh, to that nice. as much yeah so. and about how this is like shaping their mind and how oh, they yeah. do not have it have yeah. that impact so yeah that's that's hard yeah what are the ways that you see stress manifest physically for people what are kind of the signs and symptoms that people come to you presenting with and you kind of uncover, peel back the layers and discover that, Hey, there's stress is really fueling this. I think that sleep is probably the biggest Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. A lot of people start having issues with sleep. Um, Going into that sort of, you know, eight, nine, 10 PM when they should be winding down. And then for some people they do kind of start revving up instead. And you, you know, the term like, tired but wired yeah. so laying there and I am exhausted but you also are like running strictly on cortisol and your body is just like wide awake um, that is one that happens quite a bit so I think sleep disturbances are um, a huge one and with, with that too there's have you heard the term general adaptation syndrome mm-hmm. like the stages of stress and burnout and so depending on where somebody is at with their stress journey let's call it if they're in that first stage with sort of in that like fight or flight and they're just like really really um, tightly strung and they're you know you can just like see it that their like shoulders are up around their ears and everything they're really reactive um we have the first stage reactive stage maybe when things kind of start to uh, respond to that stress a little bit more their digestion maybe starts to go a little bit haywire so 
we see digestive disturbances um, and then nutrition issues as well. Not saying somebody's like malnourished necessarily, but maybe some nutrient deficiencies or maybe they're just, you know, fatigued because they're not absorbing food properly. Mm-hmm. Um, hair falling out is another one too sometimes mm-hmm. we okay. see that. Uh, and then, yeah, burnout stage um, at the end when people are just like apathetic and they're just totally turned off nothing and left. they're just like, they've got nothing left in the tank to yeah. even <clears> respond <throat> to a stressful situation. But where if somebody like were to jump out and try and scare them, it's like, oh. would that kind of be like a figure eight like would you go stress burnout back to stress and then burn like is that kind of oh can like a cycle for sure yeah and i think if somebody is kind of going through that and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out you know um why they're sort of on that roller coaster and what sort of skills they need to develop to Mm -hmm. have a little bit more resiliency to deal with those situations because i think more so i see people kind of reaching that burnout phase and recognizing and realizing it and then building back up but I think if you look at somebody's like you know overall lifespan we do go through cycles of stuff like that yeah. and maybe it's seasonal too trying like yeah. thinking about that mm-hmm. you know going into the fall now people coming out of summer where maybe we've kind of like built ourselves back up a little bit and then right. moving into the fall moving into more stressful kind of times and situations but yeah what sort of things would you so somebody in that first stress mode they're not in burnout yet yeah how would you like what kind of tools would you give them first mm-hmm. so that they didn't get to that burnout stage i think there, there's so many things that we can do like modality wise but if you don't actually uncover and get to the mm-hmm. root of what that stressful situation is mm-hmm. like you can throw herbs and acupuncture <laughs> and meditation and breathing at it all you want yeah, but so if, true. but if you don't if there's like a toxic relationship or a terrible boss or a work situation that you know is just <laughs> ramping your stress up every single day then I don't think it really matters just what you the fire totally yeah so um, so getting to the root of it and actually understanding what it is that's causing that stress response is by far the most important thing and, and actually I recommend lots of people to counseling and counselors um, because I love talking about stuff I get into that um, all day but mm-hmm. there's people who are much better at it than I am so mm-hmm. oftentimes I'm referring to like you, know, you go on go online find a, um, a psychologist a counselor somebody and really get into some kind of a talk therapy because it can be so profoundly powerful so outside of that kind of stuff um, I do love acupuncture I think there's kind of like dropping into the like the parasympathetic to relax and chill out a little bit that can be really powerful um, there's certain herbs that I really like to use adaptogenic herbs things that are really kind of built for built um, that work well for stress responses whether it is like an acute stress or a chronic stress so herbal medicine can be really nice getting out into nature we live in mm-hmm. literally the most beautiful place in Canada I think Agreed. the world so like, I mean <laughs> getting down to the beach going out into the woods leaving your phone at home and just mm-hmm. kind of going out for a walk I think that's one of the best things like you know utilizing that nature cure is huge uh, lately like in the past two years I suppose I've really been um, building kind of like a cold water practice Ooh, and yeah. it's doing more and more like Wim Hof ocean dips. yeah because I really like the idea of like building resiliency and if you can you know calm yourself and um, get into a really stressful situation and through breathing and meditation or whatever yeah calm yourself down it can make you a little bit more resilient in other mm-hmm. sorts of areas in life so mm-hmm. i really encourage people to just do hard stuff and put yourself into a stressful situation mm-hmm. that you can control and you mm-hmm. can respond to and then you know other things in life sometimes don't seem that hard uh, 
Yeah. Those are some of the, oh, nutrition. Really making sure that people are eating well and nourishing themselves. That's huge because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when we are stressed and we are busy, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's so much easier to just grab something quick or eat something that maybe, you know, is fine and it's calories and it's keeping us going and everything like that, but it's not everything that we need. So, yeah, really taking time to um, plan out your weekly meals and cooking well for yourself and, you know, just ensuring that you're getting everything through nutrition is an important one too. I really do think for myself and my family going into the fall, that's what I look, that's what I look forward to most Mm. because admittedly in the summer, my whole meal plan falls apart and it's quick and right. How do I grab stuff on the go? Totally. Yeah. 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 So it's like getting back to those meal plans and really like, I don't love to cook, but I love good food. No, no, I I love to cook bone broth, (laughs) but I don't love to actually like make a massive meal unless I'm unless I'm like doing a Thanksgiving dinner or something. But yeah, yeah. but good food is really important to me. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, I yeah, I do love to cook. I don't love the cleanup afterwards, but (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah, having (laughs) meals that really nourish you are so important and. for us too, in the summertime, we're busy, we pack in a lot of things, totally. always going on adventures, mm-hmm. taking off every weekend, it's a lot of stuff on the go. So getting back into fall routines, that'll be a big part of it. You are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a nutrition course coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. talk a little bit about that course and what it is that you're teaching people through mm-hmm. that experience. Sure. So it's a plant-based 101 course is what we're calling it. Um, it kind of an introduction to plant-based eating. So it is put on by myself and my friend Saskia Bjornsson, who's mm. a local triathlete coach. Um, she's awesome. You guys would love her also. Uh, we've done it twice now. And so it's really, it's taking our passion for um, vegan and plant-based cooking and then helping to show other people how they can incorporate more plant-based meals into their diet. So I've been vegan for 12 years and it's something that I've just, I didn't, I didn't love cooking too much yeah. before I went uh, vegetarian and then vegan. And then after that, I was, you know, I can only eat bland tofu so much oh before. <laughs> yeah. I have to start learning to do something better with it. Yeah. And, and like, you know, the reliance on like soy dogs was old really quick. So, um, yeah, I, I learned that I really do love cooking and exploring new types of cuisine and different kinds of meals. And there's, yeah, there's so, and that's the thing is I didn't really know much about like spices and herbs and different mm. ways you can incorporate these kinds of flavors to, um, get the most out of your food. So, I really learned that I love cooking uh, when I started to eat more plant-based and we just want to show people that you can make, you know, really, really great plant-based meals. I think people hear vegan or they hear plant-based and they do assume kind of like boring old tofu or just like, I think it's changing, especially because we live here on the West coast Mm -hmm. where like there's so many good restaurants and people doing amazing vegetarian vegan things that I think the yeah, the, the paradigm is shifting a little bit and people are, people know that there's really great plant-based options out there, yeah. but cooking at home is still a little bit tough maybe. So we want to show people how, like what you can do. So, um, we're doing it in October and it's starting the week before Thanksgiving. So we're going to kick it off with like how to make a vegan Thanksgiving feast, cool. and, you know, show people how they can, even if you're going to grandma's or your auntie and uncles and it's going to, you know, still be kind of a traditional thing. Hey, you can sprinkle a little plant-based goodness in there and what you can do. 
Uh, we want to showcase how you can feed athletes a plant-based diet, wow. which you can do for families, how you can have like a fancy date night um, plant-based style. So all sorts of different things because there's yeah lots of areas to cover. So yeah. that's our goal. And I think with vegan, mm-hmm. um, just from my own nutrition practice there for a while, it sometimes people can do veganism. Um, it can be a very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also getting all the right nutrients in, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. there's some things that could be missing. Totally. So will you guys get into all that, like yeah. how to make sure, obviously, you're getting in, you know, all those nutrients still? Yeah, because you can you you could do Doritos and Oreos and beer and still be fine with vegan diet. <laughs> so like, vegan. it's still vegan. It's so true. So it it depends how you do it mm-hmm. because you know, admittedly, when I first went uh, vegan, I was. You were doing right? that's, why I went to, that's why I went to Dr. Hutchison actually, so we yeah. could talk about that and make sure that I was covering all of my nutritional bases yeah. and getting everything that I need because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I don't, it's a little bit different than an omnivorous diet, but you, you can do any diet yeah. poorly. Um, totally. And so with the, totally. with the plant-based one, I do think there has to be some special focus and consideration. I mean, making sure that people are getting their B12 from somewhere, mm-hmm. um, certain supplements, you, and like kind of covering your bases with your omegas, your vitamin D, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that is crucial. So I, I do touch on that, just making sure that everybody yeah. is understanding. And for different stages of life and different um, goals or, yeah, yeah I should say, just different people have different needs. Yeah. So depending on who it is that's, you know, uh, looking to optimize their nutrition, what, what do we need to focus on? Are they a 22-year-old athlete or are they a 75-year-old um you know, it was just, it was like, oh, this vegan thing sounds interesting. So, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, different people have different nutritional requirements. And so you just kind of got to tailor it to what they, what they need. And do you think there's something for the person who says, like, I'm not going to become a vegetarian or a vegan. Is there mm-hmm. still something for them in a course like this? Oh, totally. Yeah. Because the we don't want to limit it to people who are like going vegan. Mm-hmm. We just want to show people that there's lots of really good plant-based ideas and options mm-hmm. out there. So we've had a bunch of people who took it who admittedly like, yeah, they're not going vegan, but they want to maybe do like a meatless Monday or yeah. something like that. And we love that because um, it, both Saskia and I were vegan primarily for the ethical side of things and wanting to you know do less harm and consume less animals. Uh, and so, you know, if we can have people doing once or twice a week mm-hmm. of going meatless and doing a vegan or plant-based dish, then we think that's a win. So we, yeah, you don't have to go 100% vegan. Just, yeah, yeah come explore. Uh, awesome. I, I, I like using the term like plant curious. You're just kind of like, plant you know, curious. what's going yeah. on over there? <laughs> what's, so, what's happening yeah, over there? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's open to anybody and everybody who's just awesome. wanting to know more about um, how you can incorporate more plants into your life. Love it. Yeah. We will definitely share information about how you can register for Dr. Morton's course uh, in our socials. There'll be some links there. Let's bring the nutrition back around to stress. Can you kind of summarize for us what your top five nutrition and or supplementation recommendations would be for Mm -hmm. alleviating the effects of stress? Yeah. So I think blood sugar management is the thing that jumps out at me. yeah, that's probably number one. Like Snickers, you know, remember the commercials? It's like if you're hangry, have a Snickers or oh, whatever. Else. Yes. Like they 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 nailed it in a way, but I wouldn't recommend that people have <laughs> a Snickers. But really, if your blood sugar is on a roller coaster all day and you are going for like really the simple refined carbohydrates and you're spiking your blood sugar and then it's dropping back down really quickly, 
um, yeah, you, you are going to be hangry and you're going to be irritable mm-hmm. and you are going to feel stressed out. And so having, you know, well thought out uh, meals throughout the day, and to me, usually that means having like a nice, well, the, it, with intermittent fasting, I don't have too much in the morning, but mm-hmm. for most people, I think that having like a nice protein rich breakfast or something that's going to help stabilize your blood sugar throughout the day is a really crucial thing. Having complex carbohydrates, um, eating you know a considerable amount of fiber. I usually really focus on people's fiber intake and upping it because mm. so many people are what I would consider to be fiber deficient and not getting nearly enough. Like, okay. Yeah, um, and fiber how you know slowly it breaks down and you're not getting like the big spike in blood sugar. That's a really important thing. So yeah, complex carbohydrates, sufficient protein, um, and staying away from too many you know simple sugars is a, is a big one um, if people do have blood sugar issues whether they're like pre-diabetic or diabetic and with type 2 diabetes then there you know maybe some people do need medication like metformin or something like that but you can use some herbs something like herbal herbal extracts something like berberine can be a really nice blood sugar stabilizing agent um, bitter melon there's good evidence to use for that too so there's some nice ones that you can use if people are sort of like veering towards that pre-diabetic or maybe insulin sensitivity problems um, but focusing on food is by far and away the most mm-hmm. important thing uh let's see intermittent fasting is what like touching on that because it can be a problem for some people i know it's like mm-hmm. super super hot right now it is yes but for some individuals and i gotta say prim- mostly for women i find it can be a little bit trickier mm-hmm. men seem to do a little bit better with mm-hmm. it and find it to be a little bit easier um but if you're yeah talking about decreasing stress sometimes skipping breakfast can be very problematic for people so sometimes it can work well and you can tinker around with like the window of your your fast but uh some people i really find that they do need to have food first thing in the morning or like with an hour or so of waking and to have nice stable blood sugar throughout the day so i'm a big fan of intermittent fasting but um yeah i feel like we could do a whole episode oh, on yeah. that yeah it's fun <laughs> we I, like, may I've need been, to yeah, yeah i've really loved uh getting into that world it's super interesting cool and even doing like extended water fasts like that's a whole other thing but um so being careful with that uh watching out for the highly refined and processed foods like it's just it's everywhere and it makes up a large portion of people's diets so that kind of goes back to the blood sugar issue you eat a really simple you know, a Snickers bar and you're going to have your blood sugar spike and then it's going to come back down. You're going to be kind of hangry. Um, I think that, yeah, nutritious foods, we talked about this and I wanted to go touch on that again, actually knowing where you can get healthy, fast mm. meals from is an important thing. Cause mm-hmm. I think when people do start to get stressed out, they're like, this is actually on the drive here. There's a, um, an ad for Sabai Thai or Band, one of those. And somebody's kind of going through their day and like they're getting more and more stressed and they're getting more and more anxious and hungry and then they order Thai food and everything's great. But like, <laughs> I think... I do love my Thai food. I do love Thai food. But I think knowing where you can get really um, well-rounded nutritious meals when you are stressed out or, mm-hmm. you know, in a rush, that's important. So having things either in your mind or marked out on a map or just knowing what's in your local neighborhood because mm-hmm. like a really nutritious, nutrient-dense um, Burrito bowl, for example, is so much different than a Mickey D's run, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So really knowing when you are stressed out, where you can get some really good nutritious food is important. Um, caffeine is massive. Mm-hmm. Like when we're talking about stress, as we 
sip our coffee. <laughs> no, I, and I and I love coffee. Like, don't get me wrong, but if I if I have a coffee too late in the day, or if I over caffeinate, I get stressed, and yes. it, like it's it, it's super noticeable. And a lot of people are drinking far too much caffeine, whether that is coffee or um, black tea. Like, yeah, if you're if you're getting like. Are those energy drinks? Oh man! Oh yeah. my gosh! I know. No, so if you're getting 500 milligrams of caffeine a day, and then you're wondering why you're so stressed out and anxious all the time, I, I, that's one thing I think that a lot of people have to reevaluate and look at their relationship with caffeine because it is a huge, um, yeah, huge issue for people with stress. Mm-hmm. And I, we have done this experiment with patients: like you take away their afternoon coffee. And they sleep better at night, and they feel better the next day. And like people just don't understand that caffeine is. I mean, in my mind, it's a drug. It it has a really, really strong effect on our nervous systems. Right. And um, yeah, when you experiment with it and try taking it away for a period of time and really observing how your body feels, it can be profoundly uh, different. So, caffeine is huge. Yeah. I'm not saying don't drink it, but just like think about experimenting with it. Yes. Um, Another thing for, well, another drink, but alcohol. Um, coming out of summer, people yeah. overconsume alcohol mm-hmm. and that increases our stress. Like it, it, oftentimes people have big weekends, alcohol completely disrupts your sleep. And then when your sleep is disrupted, you've been drinking too much, you're probably not nourishing yourself properly. Like no wonder people feel stressed out and get like, what is it, like the, the Sunday scaries or like the case of the Mondays or whatever it is because like, and our transmitters are completely fried and we're just not in the right headspace because of what we consume on the weekend. So um, fall's kind of nice for that, getting out of like the... the all, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think the common go-to is like, oh, I'm going to have some alcohol because it relaxes sure. me, brings the yeah. shoulders down, mm-hmm. I can loosen up and have more fun. Mm-hmm. But physiologically, mm-hmm. what is actually happening what is the fallout from that talk about the neurotransmitter effect so i think like one thing having a like a crutch like that and having a bit of a dependence is one that's a that's an issue and if we do get stressed and um having to like come home and you know like it's a stereotype and it's kind of bad but like you know mom needs your wine and dad needs his scotch or his beer or like whatever it is um it's not great to have something that we like need to depend on to get us through the day or deal with our stress i think that's problematic and I've really loved actually there's been pushback against um, specifically it's like mommy wine culture I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that or like mm-hmm. one a, a doc that I follow she's out of Ontario um, she's like can we quit popularizing the fact that, like moms need to drink wine to deal with their kids like that's hugely problematic yeah so I've been really happy to see people kind of pushing back against the status quo of needing to drink to relax um, that's yeah really good to see what's happening with neurotransmitters um so depending on kind of what stage we're looking at and talking about but in my mind like if you're over consuming on the weekend it does mess up your sleep number one everybody thinks what having alcohol as a nightcap and it's going to be something like you said that like helps you relax and gets you ready for bed but there's like tons of research that shows and if you want to get into this um matthew walker is a sleep scientist he's got really cool podcasts okay. all about sleep and if you search him and alcohol he dives into it much wow. deeper and better than i ever could it messes up your sleep you don't get into your um, normal sleep patterns and you're not getting good restorative restful sleep so alcohol is not something that's actually good for sleep one bit i think that if you are drinking too much and you're really kind of like overdoing it on the weekend you, you could possibly de- be depleting some of like your dopamine and serotonin a little bit and throwing some of those levels off so 
I don't have really good evidence to say like, oh, if you have six beers, then your serotonin levels are going to be totally mm-hmm. back for the next week. And also now there's evidence people are interested in if serotonin is even really the issue for anxiety and depression. I don't know if mm. you've seen those yes. papers that have come out lately, yes. but people are kind of second guessing whether like uh, it really is a neurotransmitter imbalance that's causing anxious and depressed states. But it's, yeah, I, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I can't d- dive into that one too, too much, but really interestingly, we're kind of, you know, not sure if our entire methodology behind treating anxious and depressed people are, is totally right with SSRIs, even though they do seem to work. But yeah, so I think you could just be completely exhausting yourself and you're mm-hmm. not going to have, you know, the same um, potential for those neurotransmitters to be in your brain, those synapses and keeping you at your best optimal functioning state. Yeah. yeah. So let's just like paint a little picture <laughs> here, a scenario. Yeah. Um, I'll be super transparent about, you know, coming home after a really long, busy day. Uh-huh. I know I've got to get a meal made, get dinner on the table for my family. Then I've got to run my daughter to hockey practice. I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed. It's easier to pour a glass of wine than to, I I know what would feel really good and would ultimately benefit me is put on my running shoes Mm -hmm. um, and take my dog and get up into the woods for a nice hike or a run. But I'm looking at the clock and saying, I don't have time to do that right now. It's a, a go-to easy thing to mm-hmm. pour a glass of wine and oh okay I feel a little bit more relaxed yeah so what are some easy go-to mindfulness practices that don't take a lot of time that can help like reset the nervous system for people yeah so first off there's no judgment for anybody that's still over <laughs> a glass of wine I that's I don't want to sound like I well I don't because I do um Hundred percent. Also enjoy having a glass of wine. Yeah, great. Um, Moderation. Yeah, yeah. and it, the the issue is more when it turns from like a glass to half a bottle to a bottle, and like and it becomes a yeah, yeah it's a slippery slope. Slip yeah. Slip. yeah. So simple things that I encourage people to do: breathing and breath work is, I think, the most the easiest, the most powerful one that you can do. That is just like so straightforward that it doesn't take uh, much of anything at all, much time at all. Our breath is a bit of a, I don't love the term biohacking, but like it does kind of, it, it integrates into our nervous system. So it is a little bit of a hack to actually get you from a sympathetic state where that's our like fight or flight into a parasympathetic state where that is our um, traditional term like rest and digest, a more relaxed state. Mm-hmm. So if you think about how you're feeling when you are stressed out and like you're really breathing just in your upper chest and like fast, shallow breathing, mm-hmm. if you were to do that, um, just like sitting here right now and start breathing really fast, really rapidly, you'll put yourself into a more stressed, kind of like heightened state of arousal versus if you focus on deep, slow, purposeful breathing, really like going deep, deep, deep into the, using your diaphragm, big belly breaths, you can get yourself into a more relaxed parasympathetic state. So taking like two minutes, you know, just sitting there and I usually encourage people to pick one place on their body, whether that's kind of like at the tip of the nose, in the nostrils, the back of the throat, um, maybe the chest, somewhere where you can feel what the breath is doing to you and how, like what sensations mm-hmm. it's um, bringing to the body. Uh, I usually tell people just like, give me two minutes of sitting there with like focused breathing. And usually you can get yourself out of that like really um, sympathetic state and into a little bit more of a parasympathetic. So breathing is one of my favorite things. 
Meditation or mindfulness also. Like, I mean, there's so many good apps now. Um, Headspace and Calm app are the two that I recommend the most. And there's okay. guided meditations. There's, there's people with all sorts of like calming, soothing, lovely voices that can walk you through these like beautiful meditations that within five minutes can completely change your state of being. So I think those are the two, two biggest ones for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also used to, when I would bring, when I would come in, yeah. we talked a lot about box breathing. Oh Do yeah. Do you want to kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so box breathing, like that's a super, it's an excellent one for like mm-hmm. purposeful breathing. Um, mm-hmm. a, so four, 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 and four times four. So four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, and then repeat four times. Changed it a little bit. Now I try to get people to do a longer exhale. So it's like four, six, or four, four, six, four, I guess, something like that. So four seconds in, hold for four seconds, six seconds out, hold for six. But so the breath out seems to be more strongly associated with getting into that relaxed state. So a nice, long, slow, controlled breath out. Um, Just let your body know, hey, we're in a safe space. We're like, we're good to just relax and um, yeah, box breathing is excellent. So mm-hmm. it's simple for kids too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just, you show them the picture and you draw a little mm-hmm. square. Four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds. Um, it's really easy to take that message home and have people do it when they're, yeah. you know. Well, when, I'm leading that, right? Showing them oh, yeah. Yeah. just in my own family and doing it myself so my kids mm-hmm. also adapt to it, mm-hmm. right? Or start doing it as well. And I think too, just with, like when you are really stress something easy that you, mm-hmm. you can just think of that square it just it, yeah and, and it really does reset the nervous system yeah. totally yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, that's a nice easy one yeah I think over the last well I've been in practice almost 22 years now I've seen a real shift over that time period in people embracing and understanding the connection between the mind and the body mm-hmm. I think in the past it was sort of deemed to be this kind of out there abstract concept that you know your thoughts affect your physiology but there's Mm -hmm. so much evidence and research now that the two are completely interconnected and that our thoughts do impact our physiology so how do you work that into your conversations with patients getting them to really embrace and understand how their mind affects their body how what they think affects how they feel do Mm -hmm. you have a way of communicating that that really lands with people it depends on what we're working on. It's like first off, I want to say it's funny that it has gone from like hippy dippy pseudo mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. to like actually having interesting concrete um, research to it. But yeah, yeah, the conversation, like the internal dialogue that people have, um, depending on what it is. I mean, when I when I think for some, let's just go with like athletics, for example, or you know endurance running, because I've been doing that a whole bunch and yes, working with have. some other runners. It, when you're going through it and you're you know not having a good time and things really going poorly and there's some pain and there's some aches and you're just like oh I hate this why did I like why did I sign up for this why am I doing that if you can remind yourself like how fortunate you are to be able to do it how beautiful everything is going on around you and how you've done this before and you can do it like I think having good positive spins on stuff and really even if you kind of have to force the thoughts if you can start thinking about it and talking about it internally it really can change your state, your, your mindset, and like gives yourself that nice reminder that you can do it. So, with patients going through, since we've been talking about stress, like really stressful days, if they're at their like wits' end with their boss or with their kids or whatever else, 
Um, we do talk sometimes just like doing some breathing and then having some positive thoughts about what they can do, what they can control, um, understanding that some things are kind of, you know, outside of their control and not stressing about those, but mm-hmm. focusing on things they can control. That's, those are some of the big ones for me. Um, I've been reading a book called The Daily Stoic lately too. And okay. The, and Stoicism has been a really important one. I've been bringing that up with patients more and more and more. Um, so if anybody's interested, it's called The, the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And it's a short little snippets at the beginning of each day that you read a, a quote from like Seneca or Socrates or uh, Marcus Aurelius. And it's and then kind of interpreted by the author of this book. And it gives just like nice little simple cues about how we can get the most out of our lives and how wow. we don't let, you know, outside things perturb our internal state. So mm-hmm. that's been something that I've kind of been incorporating into my practice and sharing with patients. And that's been a really big hit too. So yeah. I love that. I love yeah. Jordan that you're just constantly like looking for new ways to help your patients. Like I, yeah. if there's anything that, yeah, I think as a doctor, in my opinion, that, that is like a phenomenal doctor who is constantly in search and learn mode of how to better yourself. Mm-hmm. But how do I give back to my community and my patients so much better? Yeah. So I just, yeah, I yeah. love that you do that. There's just so much. Like, because then, I don't know, every time I learn something or meet somebody mm-hmm. at one of these courses, I'm like, oh, like, what else? You, you're doing that. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It just yeah. it never seems to never end. Like, even in practice after, like you said, 22 years, yeah. I'm sure there's new things you're seeing oh. all the time. All the time. And yeah. I, I have to second what Tracy said. I think it's one of the things that I appreciate about you the most. Mm-hmm. When I think of you, I really think about your sense of curiosity. It's how you approach everything. It's not like, oh, I've got this all figured out. It's this real genuine (laughs) quest to continue to learn and evolve. And a lot of it's from your own lived experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like in that yoga, you have to learn how to breathe. You have to. That's what yoga, in my opinion, that's what yoga is. It's all about learning how to breathe and Mm -hmm. your breath. And if you can breathe, you're doing yoga, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's what, like, there's not a limiting factor. People of all different abilities and um, states can do yoga. Like, yeah, you can find a position you can breathe. Great, you're doing yoga. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, quite a few years ago now, I was going through a very challenging time. And I remember reading something that Eckhart Tolle had written Mm -hmm. about stress and it really struck me Um, he was talking about that the source of stress is really not the situation itself but it's our internal Mm -hmm. resistance to the situation it's our sense or belief that it should be different than it is that creates that real internal stress response that happens and the more that I sat with that the more I realized how true it really is and I could break down kind of every situation in my life that was creating stress and realize yeah like it is my resistance to it it's my expectation or my belief that it should be different than it is you know it's as simple as you're driving along the freeway and somebody cuts you off and you have a reaction to that well it's your sense that they shouldn't have done that why did they do that it should be different rather than just accepting and I mean it comes into play when we talk about the big things in our life that are stressful right whether it's that you know your your kid maybe didn't make the team that you thought they should make or you're struggling with an issue in your health and you feel like you know I've done all the right things this shouldn't be happening I feel like if we can find a way to get to 
acceptance of the situation mm -hmm. and then take the necessary steps mm -hmm. to you know work towards resolution that's that's such a huge part of, of dealing with stress for sure i think yeah and that um, like the frame shift of like why is this happening to me and like why did that person cut me off like and understand knowing how to think about situations rather than reacting to them mm -hmm. like that's just so huge and it is something i, don't, I deal with that every day if you ask mm -hmm. my my partner she'll just thinking about somebody cutting you off in line <laughs> off in line and like when i see people butting in line somewhere um i don't know it just like it really gets so i'm working on that and being it's a okay, practice it's a practice yeah yes but yeah, having those conversations with yourself and just trying to not let it perturb you too much like okay well that happened and why is this bothering me and why so don't much? yeah 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 yeah, it's that reflection after the the, yeah. the anger is gone it's that reflection of yeah. like why did that bug me so much yeah yeah, yeah. really finding out what your triggers are mm -hmm. and coming up with a, a switch in your thinking about mm -hmm. a situation that's a big part of it uh, I did a course a couple of years ago that 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 like um, kind of shitty committee they would call it or that shitty thinking okay so whenever I have those like bad thoughts or those you know kind of shitty thoughts yeah i'm always like oh okay that's just my shitty committee <laughs> so how do i kind of like override that with a more positive thought which yeah. isn't always the best and doesn't always work out for me but i've also started putting that into my son in particular and okay. we talked a lot about how much anxiety he can have sometimes yeah. Yeah. and i actually will say to him like king that's just your shitty committee yeah. like i don't swear to my children very often <laughs> but we talk a lot about how we all have that shitty committee totally. and they can really run the bus or drive the car yeah and it's important to like get the the person driving the car yeah. actually in a more positive state of mind because yeah, some days the shitty committee can be really loud oh it can be it really can... loud yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah. Then... and i think we all have it so oh, yeah yeah anyway yeah when you do recognize that every one of those thoughts yeah. does affect your body mm -hmm. it's it becomes even more important to just take ownership of yeah. it right yeah. yeah to really be fueling and nourishing your body with positive thoughts to affect your biochemistry, affect your physiology, and ultimately yeah. be a healthier individual. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it, it does make such a difference in all. It like works together or works against. Mm -hmm. um, so it, the, it's huge, and I think the nutrition side of things, it, we talked about it a little bit, but yeah, it really can change your mental state. And if you're mm -hmm. nourishing yourself there, yes. it, you know, and getting good quality sleep and having good relationships like it all works that's all self-care right yeah, totally. yeah. self getting back out into the woods yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah well i think one thing too to, when we were talking about earlier world conversations that i have with patients about getting them to have better um either internal thoughts or just better, you know helping them decrease stress having meaning and having purpose that was one that i wanted mm -hmm. to bring up yes. um that's something i think is just huge um What's his name? Uh, Dan Buettner. Have you heard of the Blue Zones research? Yes. And he talks about this. I think it's in Okinawa, Japan, and they have what they call Ikigai. And it's like their, their meaning for getting up in the morning. It's a bit of a tangent, but I just I forgot to talk about this earlier. Yeah. And it's just so big because if you're waking up and you're just kind of like floating through life and you don't have something that you're super excited about, passionate mm -hmm. about, that you're looking forward to every single day, mm -hmm. then it is easy to stay in that just kind of like, I don't know rut of being in a, an unhappy state of mind and not having something to look forward to so mm -hmm. meaning and purpose mm -hmm. I think is the other a huge one for people yes I'm so glad you brought that up that's yeah. so true well and meaningful work 
has become such a big part uh, of our conversation on our podcast okay. because for both of us, it it is such a big deal for everyone, whether you're a mom or, or a woman or a man or a dad or like whatever, whatever right? Yeah. And our children too. I think there's a piece of waking up every morning and going like, what am I, what am I doing today? And what am I excited about? And right. So then on the, on the uh, term of meaningful work, how mm. does practicing as a natural path create the experience of meaningful work for you? Ah, uh, you're back if it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, not what we do. No. You don't like it at all. No. Um, I, I think one of the like most amazing things is when people share what they're able to either get back to or do that they didn't think that they could do. Like, and that can be anything from hiking the West Coast Trail, which we've had patients who like that's like the big goal living yes. on the West Coast, right? Yes. And they're like, oh, I never thought I could put a sixty-pound bag on my back and go hike for six days, and I did, and it was incredible. Like, I just get so pumped when I hear people having these big wins like that, and all the way down to small things, which like. I got on the floor and played with my grandkids. Yeah. So like things like that really, really make me feel like what we're doing here is really impact. meaningful and having impact for people yeah. for sure. So yeah. I love that big and small because sometimes it's the small things. And when you work with people who are experiencing chronic pain and it's relentless every single day, mm-hmm. small little things can make a world of difference for them. Like standing at the kitchen sink and being able to do the dishes afterwards. Like I wasn't able to do that a month ago and now I did. It, like that's so yes. cool to hear so yes. like I love the big wins but the small day to day wins that people mm-hmm. get to those are I, I think not more meaningful but re- like things that I think you know more able bodied people take for granted that they're mm-hmm. like oh, I don't like doing the d- I, I hate doing dishes too but like <laughs> if you weren't able to do them all of a sudden and it was something that like got taken away from me even being able to get back to doing those tasks chores whatever we want to call them like that's huge so um, those are the things I really really love to hear that mm-hmm. I love it mm-hmm. I love it amazing we have loved having this conversation with yeah, you yeah, me too. you, you are great. such a wealth of knowledge and you're so passionate about the work that you do and I think just such an amazing example to all of us I, I just love watching you live your life to the fullest really embracing the things that you're passionate about embracing relationships and um we just appreciate you so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I appreciate you guys we too do. being here and having me. Yeah, love to come back and talk more. It's well, great. We're, we're having it's it. It's happening. Yeah, okay. it's happening. <laughs> cool. Yeah, okay. Awesome. And if you have not yet seen our posts on social media, we are super excited to be hosting a live event on September the 29th right oh, here oh. at Backfit Clinic with Lindsay Seeley. Um, on the release of her new book, Made for More. So check it out, message us if you have questions, um, but you can buy your tickets online. And we also have a really exciting announcement that uh, our next guest is going to be Tori Wesser from Fresh Nutrition. So we are genuinely excited about that to dive into um, her life and her journey in marriage, motherhood, and meaningful work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We will see you next time.